Hey folks, we're breaking from our regular schedule this week to bring you one of our mini-sodes from the Patreon vaults. For this one, Amanda and I took a trip back to the late 90s when both of us were very, very cool to talk about Garbage's version 2.0. To hear more of these bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash discordpod and sign up at the $3 a month tier. We have already released episodes about Bad Moody Blues albums and Hart's awesome self-titled 1985 album, and we're planning to release more of these more or less monthly. Finally, we're doing our listener Q&A in just a couple weeks, so send any questions you have for us, music-related or no, to discordpod at gmail.com or add us on Twitter at discordpod. And now, Garbage Day! Hello, and welcome to Discord and Rhyme, a podcast where we discuss our favorite albums song by song, or at least that's what we do normally. This is kind of a smaller version of what we do discord and mm. rhyme ep discord and rhyme 145 <laughs> D- discord and rhyme something's extra i don't know discord and rhyme stars on 45 yeah we need to figure <laughs> out a name for these like smaller ones but anyway we're experimenting with more off the cuff smaller bonus episodes for us for our subscribers and um this is a chance to get around to albums that would be fun to do on the show but there's only so much time on producer mike's plate and one thing we wanted to do with these episodes was revisit our favorite albums we grew, we grew up with in the bodacious tubular 90s and other catch words from the 90s. <laughs> gnarly, man. Very gnarly. Uh, so with this episode, we're going to do one of my favorites, which is Garbage's version 2.0, which came out in 1998. So uh, so I've heard this album a lot. Amanda, you're pretty much completely new to this, right? You're just here to like for me to bounce garbage ideas off of. My various garbage, garbage ideas. ideas. <laughs> yeah, that is my role on this album. I remember Garbage, of course, because I was a teenager in the 90s when they were big. But for some reason, I didn't really like their singles at the time. I don't know why, because I do now. And I had never heard this album. I don't even remember hearing the single from it, Push It. It didn't sound familiar to me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'm glad you're opening in for this one. It turned out to be really good. Who knew? Yeah, I wanted to do this for the podcast, but... Uh, it's a. Uh, there's just so many albums I want to get to. Uh, so, yeah. I'll give, so I'll give a small amount of background on Garbage. They were formed in Madison, Wisconsin, of all places, uh, which is a very, very lovely city on an isthmus between Lakes Monona and Mendota. Uh, anyway, they were. Fo- huh? That's a Simpsons reference. <laughs> I guess when you're. I guess when you're the only one here with me, I have to uh, give the Cliff's notes. <laughs> Read the room, man. <laughs> It's McBain. So they were formed by Butch Vig, uh, who was the producer of Nirvana's Nevermind, which you might have heard of. Maybe. Yeah. It's ringing a bell. Yeah. So he formed Garbage as the drummer for the band with guitarists Duke Erickson and Steve Marker, and then decided that for, ch- for a change of pace from the rock music at the time, they should recruit a female vocalist. So they reached out to Shirley Manson of Scottish band Angelfish, and though early sessions didn't go very well, hiring her ultimately turned out to be a very, very good idea. <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, she makes the band. So their self-titled debut came out in 1995, and it features Only Happy When It Rains and Stupid Girl, which are, in my experience, the only garbage songs you ever hear anymore. Uh, only yeah, Happy When It Rains. Yeah, those are the two I remember. Yeah, Only Happy When It Rains was in Captain Marvel just last year. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I, I, I know. That's that's my report as the one of us who watches those Marvel movies. Yeah, I've wandered in and out of the room while my husband is watching them. I've never seen a full one. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Anyway, so Garbage's sophomore album version 2.0 is more important because it was the one that I played a lot. Well, obviously, yeah. Yeah. So I always thought the debut was too sludgy, but this one has more of the synth and electronic elements that I like so much. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, like a good kick drum is a good is a pretty easy way into my heart. So. <laughs> 
It also really feels like a second album and in a good, like, best foot forward sort of way. Like, we're so energized, like, not in a sophomore slump, like, we have no ideas sort of way. Like, they clearly knew what they were doing by this point. Yeah, this is just, this is full of ideas. And it's a lot less angry and grungy than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, well, that's why I liked it. Yeah, like, and both of those elements are still there, but it's like grungy dance pop, if that's a thing. I liked things where I liked music where the sadness was kind of in the background. It didn't really like shove itself in your face. I mean, <laughs> psychologically, read into that what you will about me as a teenager. But uh, I liked this one a lot more than the first one for that reason. Okay. But let's yep. get into the songs. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So for these bonus episodes, uh, we're going to do them in different ways depending on the album. But I'm just going to do track by track. But we'll just we'll probably spend more time on certain songs than other ones. There are some just definite throwaways on here. Yeah. Uh, But let's start with track one. This is Temptation Waits. Is that the Temptations and Tom Waits supergroup? That you've always been waiting for. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That you never knew you wanted. I don't know what this band would be without Shirley Manson. No. Who else could sing like this? It's a banger. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that about every song. <laughs> well, not Even every I can song. tell that one's a banger. Yeah, from a sequencing perspective, I like Temptation Waits for a lot of reasons. Uh, so the title doesn't even show up in the song, or, or maybe it does. I don't know. If it if not, it's not in a very... If it does, it's not in a very prominent position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it totally could have. They could have just said Temptation Waits or something at the end of the chorus and just really just made it obvious. But no... So it gives it kind of a New Order mystique. You know how New Order, they never actually sing like, this is a bizarre love triangle, or I have true faith in you, or like... Yeah, that's why I can never remember how the songs go when I read the titles, because they're nowhere. Yeah, uh, that is the <laughs> yeah that is the problem with that approach, but I like it here. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, this wasn't a single, so it keeps the album from being front-loaded. Um, but yeah. there isn't really much else to it. It's it's a nice dark way to start the album. It has some nice, some nice lyrics. I am a wolf, but I like to wear sheep's clothing. Um, it was used on The Sopranos during a whacking in the first season. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Interestingly enough, yeah. It's on oh, it really, really yeah. briefly. Well, the show uses really great music in general, but it's kind of weird, honestly. It's kind of a drive-by use of the song, but I guess that's hmm. appropriate. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just weird to hear garbage on the show. Yeah, I would think. I, I don't know. I never watched The Sopranos, so I don't know how out of place that was. But wherever this was used, it's a good song. Mm-hmm. I like the, I, I mean, it's a really good album opener, that intro especially, where just, it builds up a little bit slowly. Um, there are a few spots throughout the song where it kind of sounds like a stupid girl retread to me, but it never gets to the point where I feel like they're just rewriting their own song. There's just some similarities 
between the two, particularly right before the chorus. That's true. That might have been why they were hesitant to re to release it. It sounds a little bit like a faster Stupid Girl in ways. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But Stupid Girl's a good song, and Temptation Waits is a good song. And, you know, if you figured out a formula that works, you know, you don't want to just sit on that all the time. But it's it's yeah. okay to go back to that well. Okay, well, let's get to a really awesome song. It's yeah, let's do that. Track two. Track two, I Think I'm Paranoid. Sorry, I can't. The song is actually the reason I bought the album. Uh, My friend Ross on IRC sent me an MP3, just a a highly coveted MP3 back in those days. Wow. Uh, And I played the hell out of it. I played it a lot. Yeah, this is this is a catchy song. It's got a good use of the quiet, loud dynamics, which uh, <laughs> you can really tell this is Butch Vig when you look at the waveforms on this album, because it like it's also it's really obvious when the chorus shows up because the entire thing oh, just yeah. becomes a rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have much else to say about this song besides that I love it. But um, uh, I used to sing it on Rock Band, which was a, oh, fun. It was, yeah, it was one of the songs that came as a pack in. That is really fun. Yeah, I love this one. You know, when I when I first listened to the album, the, I thought the first song was good, and then I got to this one, and I thought, wait, is this actually going to be awesome? Because mm-hmm. this song sure is. I the intro sounds like just a whole other band. It's like this very sunny '90s jangle pop, and then it turns into garbage, mm-hmm. which is really fun. And then they take that same riff in the chorus, only it's twisted a little bit. They made it like turned it into a minor key or something, so it's just a little bit darker. And more oh, foreboding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was a really cool detail. For the chorus, they borrowed that little bit from uh, Ben Me Shape Me by what? Oh, what was that band called? The American Breed from the oh, 60s, yeah. which is just the cheesiest freaking song ever. But they they took just the right elements out of it and worked it into this. And it actually took me a few listens to pick up on it. I thought, wait, this sounds familiar. Where have I heard this? Okay, I didn't know about that one because there are some other... Uh, like kind of cheeky references on the album elsewhere yeah and And it's it's good to see that it's like this early on too that it's a theme throughout yeah and i'm not it like it's not pointed enough to where i'm positive it's an interpolation it could just be a coincidence but i'm inclined to think not just because of the other references later on uh Mm -hmm. but i love that they took this just very cheesy bubblegum pop song from the 60s and made it into this kind of angry grungy dancey thing yeah, and Shirley Manson is just great on this one. I don't think she sings a note until I don't think she sings a note until the chorus. It's mostly yeah. just her like speak singing until then, but uh, she just like slips right through like the happy part and then the the big like power chords in the chorus just without like batting an eye. She's so good. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Mhm. Okay, let's get to track 3. This is When I Grow Up. 
to, to be, be a man. man. <laughs> My perfect falsetto. <laughs> that was for you, Ben. Oh uh, yeah, this is this is pretty nineties here. It's like, oh, I hope this is definitely gonna stay quiet. Uh huh. With the static in the background. When I Grow Up is the biggest example of how this album feels like a second album to me. It has like that late 90s bigness to it. Like there wouldn't have been any songs like this on the first album. Mm -mm. There's kind of a production line element to it, uh, but it has like just such a good big hook that I, I just can't help but love it. The main thing I associate it with is that it was used in a montage in the 1999 Adam Sandler film, Big Daddy. It was? Which I saw way... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, appropriately enough, you know, when I grow up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they didn't spend too much time thinking about these things. But I saw that movie way, way too many times, including in the theater. Oh, really? I only saw it once and I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, interestingly enough, uh, one of the twins who plays the kid in that movie is now on Riverdale as Jughead. Yeah, and that was the same twins that played uh, Ross's son on Friends. Yeah, and The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, now that's their entire history. Mm -hmm. So, but When I Grow Up is great. Th that's really just my my capsule review for most of these songs. I actually am not that crazy about this one. I like the elements of it, like that real crazy 90 percussion that's going on, contrasted. Like, if you were to just lift the vocal track, you could turn this into a real sunny bubblegum pop song easily. Mm-hmm. But they put that super crazy 90, 90s percussion behind it and made this really interesting mismatch. And I really like that idea, but just the song as a whole doesn't do much for me. Um, mm -hmm. What I did notice, though, is that the whole album, but this song in particular, is very, 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 very 90s production, but in a good way. Um Like, Rich, a little bit ago, you mentioned Madonna's Ray of Light, which is also very 90s, yeah. but in... In a way that sounds really dated now. Um, yeah, it has that kind of electronic lightness to it that I don't really like. Yeah, and I, I still like the song, but it just, it hasn't, it, the sound of it hasn't aged as well as this has. Like, they, they took the best of the 90s style and put it into When I Grow Up. So I never actually go running anymore, but when I did, like, songs like this were perfect for it. Like, it, oh, yeah. it, the songwriting, any, like, sort of songwriting deficiencies don't matter in that situation. What matters is that, like... There's a point when the big chorus comes in and propels you forward. Yeah, you want that real hard, propulsive beat. I don't run anymore either because I'm old and my knees can't take it. But when I did, it was this kind of music that I always picked. I think Phil still runs. Phil, uh, When I Grow Up is a good running song. Yeah, it is. You should, you should use that. Okay, but let's go on to track four. This is Medication. 
<laughs> it's sad 90s ballad time. Yep. slog through medication i bought their debut album for five dollars after this one just to go back and check it out and to this day i've just never enjoyed that album as much because it's a lot of sludgier songs like this one mm. though i will say i think it's both it's i think it's where my wife and i both learn the word codependent and, and that's oh, really? not <laughs> and that's not a hint about our relationship uh, but it's um but I, I think that's I think that's interesting though. Like uh, '90s kids like learning some heady concepts through music. It, it was either this song or a song that actually called "Codependent" by Chantal Kravyazuk, which I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. Uh, I'm not sure either. I think she is. I don't know, yeah, but I yeah. didn't live in Canada in the '90s, so I don't know. Uh, that's all I have to say about medication. <laughs> I think we can just like. Yeah, we can probably just blow right on by this one. Although it did now just occur to me to wonder if there's. You know how we talk about the hippie noise that starts off every song in the 60s? Yeah. And there's a similar version in country and bluegrass music. It's the, like, if you know the song Angel Band by the Stanley Brothers, uh, that opening riff is used, like, in about 70% of the country and bluegrass songs from that era. And now I'm wondering if we should come up with a name for the beginning of this song, which sounds identical to the beginning of The Freshman by the, <laughs> was it the Verve or the Verve Pipe that did it's that the one? the Verve Pipe. Verve Pipe, Yeah. Yeah, the Verve is Bittersweet Symphony, yes, Verve you're right. Pipe is the freshman. You're right, the 90s were weird, man. But, yeah, we were all yeah. confused by this back in the 90s. We were like, which one's the Verve and which one's the Verve Pipe? Yeah. And, and Y2K is going to destroy us all. And they were both one-hit wonders, and so that didn't help us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we clearly have a lot to say about medication. Yeah, we do. Let's go on to track five, Special. the video for this one nope she's in a fighter plane shooting things down that sounds fun yeah special so as we heard earlier shirley manson is fond of dropping references and it's really present here that this whole song is basically a pretender's homage from the title which uh, is a reference to brass in pocket um, and the outro, oh. which, it, yeah. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. 
Yeah, on the end, well, it's a it wouldn't that wouldn't really mean anything if not for the outro on which uh, she just directly starts quoting "Talk of the Town." You were the talk of the town. Oh, yeah. and just doing a Chrissy Hind impression in general. Yeah, wow, I'm amazed I didn't notice that. Yeah, and then slap on top of that that it has the Taxman bass line by the Beatles. Yeah. So. <laughs> The song is just a bunch of references, uh-huh. but slash and I love it. This is the gourmet choice of the album, the one I didn't know about until I bought it, and it just turned out to be one of the best songs on the entire thing. It's interesting that you say that, because I honestly, I didn't put all, you know, I didn't catch the Pretenders reference, um, but even so, I don't I don't know. The song, when you put it all together, it sounded, it, it, it sounds like a song off of version 2.0 i mean i honestly didn't really pick (laughs) up anything special about it you know so to speak uh but i did notice however that the intro to this song sounds like the gin blossoms oh yeah there's like three Uh, or four songs like the jangly arpeggios at the beginning yes there's like three or four songs on new miserable experience that you could drop that into and not even tell the difference oh we should do that one on these 90s series we should Uh, i love that album on this 90s series yeah, yeah. So many 90s albums we can uh, drop on each other. Yep. Yeah, get ready for some Natalie Imbruglia. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, that's that's special. It's special to me, not to Amanda. Sadness. <laughs> no, uh, it makes Fair for enough. good running music as well. I think if it makes for good running music, I'm going to like it more than Amanda, even if I don't run anymore. <laughs> that's, you know, there's probably some truth in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I imagine myself running to it. There you go. Okay, let's go to track six, Hammering in My Head. could yeah though i feel like it's kind of like uh, i don't know walking on hot coals or something i don't know uh, anyway this song made me uncomfortable as a sheltered teen because it's so so sexual i remember yeah. uh, like riding home after buying the album and listening to it on my bike and this song coming on and being like especially when she's like sweat it all out yeah. sweat it all out yeah but at least you weren't like uh, sorry in I, the sorry car listeners i have parents. a cold right now yeah yeah <laughs> that would have been uh, worse. now i like it a lot more because it's so so shirley manson though Honestly, it gets so Shirley Manson at some points that it uh, that it borders on being Gwen Stefani. <laughs> I like just listening to listening to this. Um, but anyway, this isn't my favorite musically, but it really illustrates what she brought to the band. Because if not for her, I would not like this song at all. Yeah, I for me, it's the guitar hook that does it. That's the part that really sticks in my head. I don't care for this like super intense breathy vocal style and whatever effects they've put on it it just doesn't really do it for me but i love that guitar hook so that's the sexy one i don't have much else to say about hammering in my head uh (laughs) let's go to the first single from the album this is push it
so I think they released this song as the first single just because that Don't Worry Baby inter- interpolation from the Beach Boys is just so headline grabbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember people complaining about it, but... Oh, really? Well, it was the age of like the, you know, the every breath you take, uh, I'll be missing you. Uh, yeah. People were like really on guard about just like anything sounding like anything else. Uh, and even the title is a riff on Salt and Peppa. Like you just can't hear of a song called Push It without thinking of them. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But this song is kind of a cut and paste to me. Uh, It's really, really catchy, uh, uh, but like it doesn't really amount to much until it all comes together in that enormous riff and Mm -hmm. and, uh, and whispered chorus underneath it. Like um, uh, my wife and I were just playing it in the car and we just couldn't help but like headbang along to it Mm -hmm. uh, in the widest possible mosh mosh pit (laughs) sort of way. These guys are from Wisconsin, so it's all white kids moshing to them. But yeah, I um I love this one. It's uh, I don't know it uh, it gives me nice like warm nostalgic feeling. Yeah, that's a great song. The it's interesting that you said it's a like a cut and paste job because the intro was lifted straight out of Stupid Girl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It does like sound like it's going to be Stupid Girl, and then it turns into another song. And it turns yeah. into something else completely. I mean, none of the rest of the song sounds similar to that at all. And so maybe that was deliberate. Maybe it was a callback. I actually heard this song first. That didn't even occur to me for that reason. Oh, like, yeah? Uh, so I went back to Stupid Girl and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the song is great. But yeah, just not hearing them in the other order. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's 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 pretty funny. Yeah. They're even referencing themselves. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't like the whispered chorus because I I hate whispering in my ears. Just ab- mm-hmm. it gives me hives. I can't stand that sound. Uh, but the rest of the song is fantastic. Yeah. So... The trick is to keep breathing. Track eight. So that's the trick. (laughs) That's what I've been doing wrong all this time. start having less to say uh, the, um, we're out of singles now and the rest of them are just like pretty solid album tracks uh, i like this ballad more than medication but there's still kind of a certain late 90s overproduction to it like butch vig had to cram every single in- inch of the mix with something so it's a very smooth listen but uh, i don't know it's not terribly distinguished to this one i always uh, generally skipped this one as a kid really I love oh, you this. Like this one? I love this. Oh. This might be my favorite track on the album, along with I think I'm paranoid. I, it's it's so smooth, like compared to everything, but not to the point where it feels like overly polished to me. Like it still has really interesting percussion going on. The melody does unexpected oh. things, and I absolutely love the way she sings it. I think the song is terrific. 
Huh, that's interesting. That 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 actually honestly makes me think of it through new ears. Maybe I was I just didn't really like ballads as much like mm-hmm. categorically as a teenager and I might like need to shed some of my old some of my old like uh, prejudices against like just entire types of songs. Yeah. Well, that well that's a thing. It's happened to me too. Like I just I was talking about on the Def Leppard episode with Gods of War that I never liked as a kid. And then mm. it wasn't until I just I happened to not skip it one day and realized, wait, this is actually great. You know, it's <laughs> really easy to kind of get stuck in the opinions you form when you're, you know, 12 or whatever and just not it, like you have to go back and consciously reevaluate things. Well, now I'm really interested to go back to the Natalie Imbruglia album and like see <laughs> see like whether or not track seven is as good as I remember it as a kid. <laughs> and maybe I'll end up liking Natalie Imbruglia now. I never did back then. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get, get to, to that. that. It's, it's time for garbage today. Uh, so let's go to track nine. Dumb. trick before the chorus like uh like say walls by tom petty and the heartbreakers oh yeah because you got yeah see now, yeah. I, now i compared this song to walls that's that's okay uh, though i love walls yeah i love walls too uh, i have a lot more to say about walls than i do about dumb yeah, i actually too. forgot dumb existed before revisiting this album <laughs> uh, it, it's more of hammering in my head but less of the chaos and personality to me yeah i i think the song kind of lives up to its name uh, it mm-hmm. uses some of the 90s production tricks that I don't like, like that real faint, staticky speaking part at the beginning. And oh, yeah. Like, I think the only thing that saves it is, again, Shirley Manson, because she just goes all in on everything she does. And that helps a lot. But, like, I don't skip this song, but I don't particularly notice it either. Yeah, Shirley Manson reminds me of our X-Ray Specs episode. Like, at worst, every song on that album had polystyrene on it. Yeah. So. Uh, that at least saves it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, not much else about dumb. So let's go to track 10, Sleep Together. I got you Nice and subtle. So, <laughs> so 
So this song is Butch Vig doing loud, quiet dynamics. So that's a reversal from his usual shtick. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we have a quiet chorus. Um, And there's percussive synths in the chorus. That <laughs> uh, They were very in vogue at the time. I don't know what they are. I bet producer Mike can tell me what exact synthesizer or effect it comes from. I don't know. Uh, it reminds me of something that would have, would have appeared on Bjork's Homogenic, which I'm sure means that you love it, Amanda. Actually, it means I've never heard of it. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm not nearly oh, okay. as cool as you guys seem to think I am. Anyway, I don't have, I don't really have much to say about this one. Uh, we're just going to kind of zip through these last few. Uh, do you have anything on this one? I don't like it. <laughs> like, the verses are fine, but the chorus is really annoying. I do skip this one. Okay, well, let's skip this one. <laughs> let's go to track 11, <laughs> Wicked Ways. The title song from the musical Wicked, or so I assume. Yeah, probably. I feel like I should be having a shot. Yeah. In a montage. I have with Wicked Ways is that I don't really generally come to garbage for, I don't know, a rollicking a rollin good time at the saloon. <laughs> uh, but uh, a colleague of ours back in our web reviewing days compared this song to Cracked Actor from David Bowie's Aladdin Sane album. And I can definitely hear it. This does seem kind of like uh, garbage's attempt to go glam. So make of that as you will. Oh, yeah. And the and the chorus has the has the line collect collect your pictures of the Pope. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a reference to Sinead O'Connor on Saturday Night Live. All the timing um, would be right. Yeah, yeah. Or well, it was it was about a it was about a decade later, but it was still like it, it just a was reference that, that was in car- common parlance. I think that was in like '91 or something. Yeah, you might be I right. Know. I was thinking more. It was more like '94, '95, but I might be wrong. I'm probably well, wrong. I'm often wrong. We can lo- <laughs> we can look it up after. <laughs> uh, that's really the that's that's all I have to say about Wicked Ways. Yeah, I like it fine. Um, it's like it's different, definitely, from the rest of the album. It's the other one that has that like that kind of swinging beat to it. But the chorus sounds exactly like something else, but I can't put my finger on what. It just really reminds me of something, but I don't know what, and it drives me crazy. Something by the Beatles. Yeah, that's it. It's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what we nailed it down. <laughs> I'm sure you'll figure it out like right after we finish recording. Probably. Okay, let's go to the final track. You look so fine. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs>
I usually turned off the album by this point, to be honest, so I don't know this song from memory like I do most of the others, but this is actually pretty good, I think. Uh, the friend from IRC who I referred to called this closing credits music, and mm. bam, that's it. Like, yep. the, that's perfect. This could go, this could roll over the credits to, like, just... Just, just pick, I don't know, like a late 90s drama that you don't remember anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kiss the Girls or something. Yeah. Autumn in New York. When did that come out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty fitting. It, it's almost like this was their audition for the, to do the, uh, the Bond theme, 007, where the world is not enough, which... Uh, mm. I don't know if people were skeptical of Garbage doing the doing the James Bond theme, but it's, it definitely turned out to be one of the better ones in retrospect. I can't think off the top of my head how it goes. They sing The World Is Not Enough. I don't know. Uh, look it up after. <laughs> it will. sounds kind of like this song. Okay. I believe that. But that's it from me. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. It's fine. Um, <laughs> it looks so fine. Yeah. It's long. It's almost five and a half minutes long. And to be honest, that's my one sort of general criticism of the album in general. I feel like it's a little too long. And a lot of it sounds this, like a lot of the songs sound the same as each other. So it feels longer than it actually is. There's just, there is not a lot of variety on this album. So if you like this sound, which I do, yeah, that's not necessarily a problem, but it is too long. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they could they could easily leave the song off altogether, and I think the album would be better for it. I, I would definitely get rid of Dumb uh, yeah. if I were to recut the album, maybe Medication, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's hard for me to cut, so- cut songs out of my past like that. Oh, yeah. I always have a hard time with that, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so that's version 2.0. Uh, well, so I have my long closing statement now. <clears throat> no, we're not going to do that. Uh, I do have a little bit of uh, like further recommendations, though. Uh, so the debut album, uh, just called Garbage, it's pretty solid. Uh, I listened to it a couple weeks ago. I like it. It's not as exquisitely produced as this one, and it's much, much sludgier. I- I've never really liked Only Happy When It Rains, honestly. It's oh, yeah? very repetitive and just very, very just... I don't know, just the, the pull your misery down is just too much for me. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a self-parody. Um, my issue with it, with it is that Stupid Girl just pounds the rest of the album into the ground. It's so much better than everything else. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you don't mind any of that, it's not a bad album. <laughs> I haven't actually heard any of the other ones, but everyone loves the third album, Beautiful Garbage, which um, I shunned at the time as a cool college freshman when it came out. <laughs> um yeah, and uh, because of the Destiny's Child-esque single, Androgyny, but uh, people really like that album, and the songs I've heard from it since then have generally been really good. So Was this around uh, the same time you made sure to write for archival purposes only on your Dave Matthews Band CDs? It was at exactly the same time. <laughs> uh, but that's all we have. That's That's the end of this episode. I'm sure we'll figure out a format for these eventually, but for now, let's just say bye. Bye. bye.